Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Was half an alien baby really born in Birmingham back in the 1950s? Is this the equivalent of a UFO Jesus? Welcome back to Paranormal Activity with Yvette Fielding, where this week it's all on the Venusian space baby. And one of my favourite cases of all time is, is what we call the Venusian space baby from the 1950s. Wait a minute, a, a wait a called... minute. Andy, I'm just writing this down now for future ref- reference. Venetian what? Ven- Venusian space baby. Venusian uh, from the 1950s, and it was a lady in Birmingham called Cynthia Appleton. And um, one day, uh, her husband came home from work, and she told this husband she'd been visited by this uh, Venusian tall guy in a silver space suit who told her that um, you know she was going to have a baby, and it would be a space baby, and it would become a leader of men. And, of course, the husband just sort of laughed and said, don't, don't be stupid. And, lo and behold, she fell pregnant, presuming it was via her husband. Nine months later, this this baby was born, um, and she sort of hailed it as being the space baby. It was in all the newspapers. Uh, scientists at Birmingham University, I think, did some took some samples of uh, some of the um, some of the skin uh, from from the child, and also some of the samples of things that the Venusian had left. And these samples mysteriously disappeared in the in the university uh, labs and things like that. Um, and and it, it was a huge case. And this was in the fifties when quite a few people in Britain and America were called contactees, and they were physically meeting the space brothers from Venus and Mars. Now this was before we realised that no one could live on Venus. Mars. Mm. But that's where these entities told, told people they were coming from. So that particular case and similar ones where people have been claimed to have been contacted by people in flying saucers from Venus and Mars who told them, you know, the world's going to end with nuclear war if we don't get our act together. I, I find those very interesting because I'm not a believer in, in extraterrestrials visiting Earth, but on the other hand, I can't deny the primacy of someone's experience when, when they mm. tell that story. So what lies behind that? You know, is, is that something else to do with the mind or is there something really happening? Evolution's been to Birmingham. Hey guys, Molly just jumping in really quick. That was Andy Roberts who spoke to us in our bonus episode of The Big Grey Man. He's a massive paranormal enthusiast, especially with UFOs and extraterrestrials. And he's the reason that we did this episode in the first place. So just wanted to include a quick clip there from him. We're on Fentham Road in Aston near Birmingham in 1957. 
Birmingham is a diverse city in England with a rich and vibrant culture. And we need to bear in mind during this time, there wasn't really any sci-fi movies, no Star Trek or Star Wars. The Roswell UFO crash had occurred 10 years earlier, but the conspiracy theories associated with this hadn't come to a head and NASA hadn't even been founded. We're at the start of the Cold War and there is fear of nuclear war amongst Britons. It's November, and as the night draws in on Fentham Road, the Appleton family, Mother Cynthia, Father Ron, a welder, and two daughters, aged one and three, settle down for the night. Unbeknownst to them, they're about to have the strangest night of their lives. Cynthia was a 27-year-old housewife, and when she first came out with her encounter with an alien from Venus, very few paid attention. It was three months later when the story reached the People magazine that it began to spread like wildfire. It was 3pm on November the 18th and a strange atmosphere, quote, something like a storm or thunderstorm filled everything with charged electricity and the air turned pink, end quote. Then there was a fairly strong whistling noise and a smell like ozone filled the room. Two figures materialised in her front room on her chair where an old newspaper lay that began to become blackened by an electric discharge. The young mother found herself being stared at by a tall, humanoid creature with elongated eyes, pale skin and long blonde hair. Have a search for Nordic aliens. It was said to be similar to this. She saw the extraterrestrials in her front room saying, twice in six weeks, looking like fine Greek athletes. They said they came from Venus, said Cynthia. At first she was scared, but the aliens spoke to her telepathically. Don't be afraid of anything. The aliens spread his arms wide and created something like a hologram over his head. When Mrs. Appleton first told psychologist John Dale about this, holograms hadn't been invented. But judging by her descriptions, it was exactly them. The alien showed her images of UFOs in three dimensions and atomic explosions appeared in thin air. Quote, he said he had come because his people wanted to help the people of Earth to increase their standards of living and to stop quarrelling with one another. Could these spacemen be referencing the quarrelling to the Cold War? This isn't the first time that aliens have been connected to times of conflict across the world. We've talked about it before on previous episodes. So if so, what could the Appletons really do about this? This was the first story reported by the publication of The People. Cynthia found her neighbours calling her crazy, but the vicar believed her story. One surgeon at Chelsea Maternity Hospital commented that, quote, women sometimes suffer from temporary delusions after childbirth. But the story escalates. Two years later, in May 1959, the Appletons return yet again to the public eye. Cynthia states, I'm going to have a baby from Venus. She said that the man in question appeared at her door and this was one that she had seen several times before in her front room. He arrived, as he also did the last time, in a sulfurous haze of red and yellow and was wearing a grey metallic spacesuit and helmet like a goldfish bowl. 
They spoke of politics, religion and space travel through transference, she claimed. Then he told her that she was pregnant and Cynthia, who had no idea that she might be pregnant, went to the doctor, who confirmed it. The alien said, quote, Your husband will be the father of the child, but the child will belong to the Charnasvan clan. The Charnasvan are those who, according to Cynthia, are the inhabitants of Venus. But that wasn't all the spaceman said. He claimed the child would be a boy arriving in late May. He would be seven pounds and three ounces with fair hair. He stated the child must be called Matthew and that this child could be the leader of mankind by the age of 14. During this visit, the man asked Cynthia to hold his hand in boiling water. She did so and a piece of his skin came off. Apparently, this was sent to the University of Birmingham for testing but it could not be identified. As it was not possible to determine its nature in Birmingham, Dr. Dale took part of the skin with him to Manchester, where university scientists examined it under an electron microscope. They came to the conclusion that it was most likely an animal skin, not human, but they couldn't say precisely. Late May came around and surprise, no baby. But in early June, little baby Matthew became the third child of the Appleton family, a week off the initial prediction. Matthew was seven pounds, 20 ounces, just one ounce off the predicted weight. Cynthia described him as having delicate features of a spiritual race. Although Mr. Appleton had never seen the men from Venus, as they always visited when he was out, he publicly supported Cynthia, saying, I told her to suggest he leaves a couple of quid a week to help feed Matthew, but he said on his last visit that they didn't bother about money on Venus. Since Matthew was born, he has sent a telepathic message to Cynthia, saying he was bringing along a mate from Uranus. If he shows up, I'm going to tell him I'm Matthew's father. If he doesn't give me the right answers, I'm going to crack his delicate features with a crowbar. His mate from Uranus will get the same. A year later, there was a follow-up to check on Matthew, but he was deemed to be normal and the men from Venus never returned. There were also efforts to track them down in the 2000s. Cynthia could have been in her 70s and Matthew in his 40s. Well, where do I begin with my thoughts on this? The only, th I mean, first of all, I have to say, I never heard of this case um, and it's so easy to see why it's it's laughed at and people say, oh, come on, that's ridiculous. I mean, myself and my husband, Carl, were talking about it and Carl was laughing, you know, but then he said quite, quite rightly, he said, but then, you know, we've had experiences where people have laughed at us because of our paranormal encounters. He said, so who the hell are we to judge? He's quite right. Um, the one thing that sticks in my mind is the fact that if this is true and the skin was taken to the universities for testing and it came back not human, that's the only bit that, you know, sort of makes me think, oh, maybe there could be something in this. But then who's to say, I'm not doubting Cynthia, that she didn't get a piece, piece of, um, I don't know, uh, fish skin from, um, you know, from the uh, fishmongers or something. I don't know. Or, or, you know, maybe when she was going through a fish finger drawer, she, she grabbed a fish finger and gave that to the university. I'm not laughing. I just think it's it's a funny, funny, strange story. I think this has to be the strangest story and the most out there story we've ever done um, on this show. Um, but like Carl says, who are we, you know, 
to, to judge. This could be true. She's either got, Cynthia either went to the press um, because she genuinely thought that this was real or she was an attention seeker um, that just wanted some publicity, you know, wanted a little bit of fame. Who knows? Um, but wouldn't it be fabulous to try and track her down and, and have a chat with her? Does she still believe in it? How is Matthew? What's he like? What's his life been like? Well, he certainly didn't become the leader of mankind, did he, at the age of 14? I think we would have known about that now. Um, so let's talk more about this, uh, this incredible, bizarre case. Paul Sinclair, welcome back to the show. Now, let's get straight to it. So, when I read it, Paul, um, I, and, and did a bit of research, I thought, is this is this a joke? I mean, what do you think about it? It's a difficult one, Yvette, isn't it? You know, I mean, uh, chances are, uh, I don't know, somebody were perhaps wanting a little bit of fame and fortune. I don't know that fortune came with the fame, and fame were all for wrong reasons. But, you know, to come out with such claims, it was 1957, weren't it? November mm. 1957, mm. and this lady claimed that aliens, or if that's what we want to call them, people from Venus, she claimed, came to her home and appeared in her front room before her. And then a few weeks later, one came to her and told her that she was expecting a baby. <sighs> There's loads of connotations to this. I mean, what could it be? I mean, she could have just been, without sounding crude to the lady, I mean, but, it, but she just could have been friendly with somebody and thinking of some elaborate excuse, but you'd think of some other way of explaining away a pregnancy than being visited by aliens from Venus. But I just found it quite fascinating. And not only that, Yvette, you know, back in 1957, it was also the time when, and this one made the national papers at the time, the Silpho saucer was said to have crashed to Earth. Uh, not far from where I live, I'm in East Yorkshire, but just crossing over the border into North Yorkshire, uh, November 1957, hmm. a small spaceship was was retrieved, apparently, from the North Yorkshire Moors. Uh, oh, during that period of time, there's people said it's a hoax, and chances are it is, but there's, hmm. thing, there's attributes to what they'd found inside this 30-inch flying saucer, as they've called it, that, that, that still baffle people today. But I just wonder... Did the Venusian baby story come on the back of the saucer and, and somebody sort of, I don't know, making something out of it? Or did the saucer come on the back of the Venusian baby? I don't, I think, I think the, I hope I'm making sense here, listeners. Yes. I think the, yeah. the saucer story came first because that one made the papers. And I don't believe that Cynthia Appleton, I believe this lady was, who claimed that she were having this baby from a man from Venus. Was didn't appear in the People magazine until May nineteen fifty May nineteen fifty nine. Both stories began in November nineteen fifty seven. Do you know if there's almost biblical connotations to it of somebody coming and saying you're going to have a baby? Mm. Uh, it's all. I'm not saying we should believe this, people. I, I look at it with a bit of tongue-in-cheek, and I'm sure people listening to it do the same. I, mm. I don't know what you feel about it, Yvette, but. Um, you know, you think about the Immaculate Conception and where Mary said to have said an angel came before her and told her she was going to have a baby. And there's a lot of people. Yeah, that's who, very who, true. Of, yeah. of, 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 of religion who believe this. Yeah. And yeah. I'm not saying, I'm not treading on anybody's toes with full respect to people, whatever, whatever religion or whatever belief you have. But. Uh, personally, the Venusian baby, I'm, I'm not sure about it. I don't really think. Uh, this baby from Venus uh, 
was really from Venus. <laughs> do you know? Do you know? When I was reading it, I had to do it with a bit of tongue and cheek, and and then my husband and I were talking about it, and and we were saying, who's to say it's not real? You know, we know what it's like with the investigations that we do, and and people scoff and laugh at us and say we're not. Yeah whatever. So I get that. So you've got to go into it with an open mind. But what made me laugh, and I can't help it, was a quote from her husband, who actually, it was, yeah, the, way it. That he said, it was the way that he said, well, I wish, yeah. I wish the, Venus, the Venetian would leave um, uh, some money for the upkeep and food yeah. of this baby. And it was just... It was almost as if the husband was sort of like, oh, for goodness sake, you know, she's she's making it up. It's all a bit of a joke type thing. And that's what it did yeah. for me. And then the, the next thing that did it for me was, uh, you know, the skin taken and, and you know, uh, checking for DNA and so on. But where was this, you know, unknown? Where, where did it Where come is the from? evidence? Yeah. Yeah. Apparently she said that the man from Venus asked her for a bowl of boiling water to wash his hands in yeah. and a piece of skin came off for, but it, and it went for testing, but it seems to just fall into the, the ether. It's disappeared from there. And if you wanted ultimate proof of something, you'd have thought we'd have got that kind of proof. Uh, not in defence of Cynthia here, but Venus and films contemporary of that, era would have been about men from Venus and things. And is that, if we played with the idea that there's some truth in it, is that what they would have told us to pacify the 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 sort of model of the day, the, the of the era? Because now we've got totally different kinds of stories coming forward for people who claim to have been in, in touch with uh, alien visitation. I mean, the staple explanation for UFOs back in the 1960s were weather balloons. Well, isn't it strange yeah. that we never hear people saying that the, the weather balloons, we don't hear the military putting out information after a, a, a UFO sighting saying it was a weather balloon anymore. That explanation's gone. We're yeah. using other things, yet the UFOs are the same. So, and, you know, it, there's, there's arguments for and against. If I were going to say... I have to fall on one side of whether this is tr a true story or not. I'd have to say that I'm, I don't quite believe it. And, of course, there are people out there, maybe like Cynthia, we're not saying she's lying, but we're kind of leaning to that, that we sort of pick up on and go, oh, this is hilarious. Let's let's have a laugh at this. And I think it's really wrong. I don't know what you think. I, I would agree. and uh, I, I, But I've met, you know, probably the most famous abductee in the world, Travis Walton. You've not. And I've listened to Travis's... Oh. Oh, yeah, and I've met Whitley Strieber, and I've, and I've been in touch with Whitley Strieber for years and years, and, and wow. uh, I met Whitley last year. And the stories that they've got to tell, I mean, like we, like you just touched on, Yvette, no disrespect to the lady who came out with this story in 1957, mm. because, you know, we, we can't prove whether she's whether it's true or not true, no. just like anybody else. But the people who are really sincere who have taken years to, and years to pluck up the courage to talk about these things uh it, th these kind of stories that that are just thrown out in documentaries and in 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 magazines don't do justice to those people because it's it's already creating a mindset where people are just going to sort of raise their eyebrows and think what a load of rubbish and exactly. some some of these cases are not rubbish they they've had i believe proper interaction with well i'll call it alien event but, but i'm use that term loosely as in it's alien to everything we know and understand for those people who don't just basically very quickly paul just explain this particular case we're talking about 
Well, the, well, Travis Walton was a young man. I can't remember the exact year, and he was working for a logging company in, yeah. in America in one of the huge forests. And whilst driving home, they saw this strange light in the sky, stopped the vehicle. This is condensed, people, for, yeah. as, as Yvette said. Stopped the vehicle, and there's this light hovering in the forest. Travis got out of the truck, allegedly, walked towards this thing where he was hit by some strange beam of light, and he'd gone. According to his friends, Travis had been abducted. Travis was missing for days. I think his friends originally, I won't say they got arrested, but they got taken into custody because they thought that they'd killed Travis. And buried his body in the woods, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and unbelievably, Travis turned up. Now, I've seen Travis, I mean, I've listened to him tell his story and I've met him several times. In fact, I've got pictures of him holding my first book, Truth Proof book, and... <laughs> um, is 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 very very humbling to to listen to him tell the story because he he becomes tearful. He's either a really good actor or he's yeah. telling the truth. Yeah. Uh, it's the same with Pascagoula. Uh, you know, Calvin Parker. Uh, you know, and and the Pascagoula abduction. And I met. Uh, well, I've spoken to Calvin. We were going to have him on our live stream, and then I, the lady who's written the book with him, Doctor Irina Scott. I've I've, I've interviewed Doctor Irina Scott for two hours, and. She comes away convinced that Calvin Parker's abduction is a genuine bona fide event. Well, I was going to ask you about Pascagoula because obviously we're, we're doing a, a, an episode on that. Um, and, you know, what's your thinking about the, the two men? I mean, you just mentioned that, you know, this doctor has said absolutely not, they weren't faking it. Do you think they were faking it or do you think they were telling the truth? No, I don't think they were. I think I think something genuinely happened. And... I think we're in a better position now all these years later. It was 1973, the Pascagoula abduction, and these two men were fishing on the Pascagoula River, uh, saw a strange blue light, I believe, and the next thing they know, and we're condensing this, people, they were mm. taken aboard a UFO, conscious but paralysed. Now, this was just uh, Charles Hickson's and Calvin Parker's story, but since writing the first book, I think in conjunction with... Dr. Irina Scott and maybe Philip Mantle, since writing that first book and when Calvin went to do a book signing, people came forward all those years later to say that they they that night they were there. People, yeah. Cal, Calvin just never knew. I think there's a, I, I don't know exactly, but I think there's three to four witnesses now come forward who never did back in the day. Back in the Probably day, 45 years later, Paul. I mean, yes. this, that's get, that got me because I thought if that had been me and they came forward 45 years later, well, actually, yes, I did see the blue light. I did see a straight. I would be so angry. Well, what? thanks very much. Why didn't you come forward when everybody was saying I was faking it? I was faking it. Oh, it did annoy me when I read it. I believe that we are being visited and we are a bit having interaction with beings from somewhere else. Uh, and I'm not going to say space. I'm always reluctant to say outer space because I, we just don't know what these things are. We don't. And, we don't, and why this... do I say that? Uh, because as, I've written a book called The Night People, and during writing Night People, it's about my own experiences with these things. Oh, you have? And, You've had uh, your own experiences that, then? That's the reason I'm so entrenched in subject. That's I the reason Whit Whitley Strieber... Yeah, well, Whitley knew... And he was first person I spoke to about it in 2006, and I just never felt confident to talk about it. And then I wrote The Night People back in 2020. And 
yeah, that's that's the reason. So uh, now then people could be listening, Yvette, and thinking, well, Paul Sinclair, then he's just a liar, just same as the rest of these what? people. What? No, 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 I'm not having that. No, I, I, <laughs> no, I, I, I don't. No, it's fine. I don't. I I have to say things as I see it. And I, I know. I don't expect people to believe me, Yvette. I, I think ultimately your own truth and the listener's truth, the only truth we we can ever be satisfied with is our own. That's true. Because that's the only one that we know is either real or not real. You know, I'm married, four girls. I've nothing to gain by talking about these things if it didn't happen, only ridicule. No, well, I, 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 but this is the thing. I mean, I've ridiculed most of my life. I mean, <laughs> I've spoken about it before. I've been out for dinner publicly, been out for dinner, and some people refuse to sit next to me because they think that I'm not... <laughs> Yeah. Oh, she, you know, she makes it all up. And you think, oh, for goodness sake, you know, but I'm used to it, you know, it's just, it's just the, the, the industry, not industry, but it's just the, the fields that we're in and and you have to expect it. And it, it comes with the territory, doesn't it? But the field is changing, Eva. You know, the, the, the mindset is changing. There's, the people are t- discussing these things now openly. And, you, you know, the, the Americans are talking about actively looking and asking pilots to report their UFO sightings now, uh, whereas before it would have been a big no-no and potentially a career-ending move to say that you'd seen something that were outmanoeuvring their aircraft and, and just doing things that, the laws of physics say can't happen. It is. And, and and that's the thing. We rely so heavily on science, you know, unless a scientist has proved that this is real, then it's all, oh, well, it can't be real. It's, it's a load of old nonsense. And I'm sick of that. <laughs> Paul Sinclair, it's been a pleasure as always. And we'll speak to you again very soon. Thank you, sweetheart. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improved jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. My name's Tom, and I uh, used to be a floor spa miner in Derbyshire in the late 80s and early 90s. Uh, and here's my story. Um, Whilst working in a mine in North Derbyshire, uh, a friend of mine, one Saturday, uh, was fatally injured uh, whilst on a machine. Dangers of mining, I suppose. Anyway, I worked there for probably about another two or three years and left. And earlier this year, I got a chance to go back. Um, And... It was one Sunday and there were five of us down the mine. We'd uh, gone down into the mine, driven into it and got so far down and sort of roughly the area where the guy uh, was fatally uh, injured. And we were stood about, there was nobody else there because the place was shut. And we heard this noise that sounded like a vehicle coming towards us. One of the guys with us dismissed it saying, no, it's just running water through the pipes. But it wasn't water. Uh, the type of machine it was had got a very, very, very distinctive sound because they were um, an air-cooled uh, engine and they made a very, very, very distinctive noise. Anyway, um, I uh, sort of looked at each other. We all looked at each other and uh, scratched his heads and said, I wonder... And they sort of, yeah, could be, I don't know. So I, I started walking in the direction of where the noise was coming from. Um, splashed through a big few puddles, walking down because it was a big spot, and rounded a corner and started to go down a hill. And the noise was getting louder and louder and louder. And as I sort of topped the corner and started going down, I saw a flickering of lights, so I didn't think anything of it. And then the noise of the machine started going away. And the light started to go away. And I thought, well, very, very strange. Um, Scratched my head because there was nobody else in that mine. And to this day, I'm convinced it was the ghost of my friend who I worked with saying hello. Another little story from my uh, underground experience I've had couple of paranormal ones that well whether they were or not I don't know but uh, about 
two years ago, uh, I was exploring a mine in a place called Stony Middleton in Derbyshire with my friend uh, Antonio. Uh, we'd gone to this mine, we'd gone pretty well through the mine, had a good look around now. This mine was used as a um, filming location for, I think it was peak practice in the 90s, and there were some fake boulders in there that were made out of polystyrene, and we'd explored the mine and we were just stood, taking a few photographs and waiting to... Uh, exit the mine and we were stood facing the uh, pile of fake boulders and one of these fake boulders came out of nowhere and landed about two or three feet away from us we both looked at each other and wondered where the hell it had come from because there was nobody else in that mine whatsoever but people have said they've had strange experiences in there well, hi, Tom. Thank you so much for sending me your voice note. And I think you're right. It's all well and good for the sceptics to say that the noise and lights could have been man-made. But when somebody like yourself knows the surroundings and the specific noises that certain machinery makes, that's when that you're convinced it's something paranormal. And so I agree with you that your friend was letting you know that he was around. And many friends and loved ones find a way to let us know that they are visiting us, a centre perfume or aftershave, perhaps a song suddenly playing on the radio, a favourite object of theirs has been moved into plain sight. Keep an eye out for these things. It may well be that your loved one is trying to talk to you. Is there a site, a location or a topic that you think we need to cover on the podcast? Or have you had an experience in a place we haven't yet spoken about? You can get in touch with us and share your stories at this address. It's at contact at paranormalpod.co.uk. We are on WhatsApp. Please don't be shy. I love listening to your dulcet tones when you leave me uh, your stories and experiences. And here's the number. It's 075-999-27537. And we are on Instagram and the handle is at Paranormal Activity Pod. Stay up to date with the newest episodes by giving us a follow and we will be back same time next week. But if you can't wait until then, visit www.paranormalpod.co.uk where you can find options to get episodes a day early. Have a great week. Stay safe and remember, things aren't always as they seem. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.